and you can't piss on hospitality. I won't allow it! What are you going to do to me, Daddy? Tighten my belt by one loop so I don't feel hunger pains. <laughs> and your sister and mother will have to do likewise. Okay, Joshua, you want to get rough with me? You want to show me that you don't like the choice of this house for our vacation by going on a hunger strike? Well, I'll accept the challenge. But just remember, when I was your age, I really did suffer from hunger. We'll see who gets through this. But just remember, I've got more practice than you. Hey guys, it's Ryan from uh, the Moon is Dead World, and we're here again with another podcasting episode. Uh, we're up to episode 11 now. I can't believe we even made it that far. Yeah, I'm surprised our friendship wasn't broken yet. Just so you know, we're not listening to a, a Sonic the Hedgehog theme song. This is actually the theme song to Troll 2. Troll 2 being one of the worst movies uh, ever to be made. It's got a great reputation, sterling reputation. For oh, oh yes, very much so. Um, Martin seems to think that it is not the uh, first worst movie ever to be made. No, it, it is, not. is probably the second worst. No, I, even still, after watching it again, because I've seen, I've, I have seen it before, but just watching it again, I still hold stand by my that it's not the worst film ever made. Not the worst. And I mean, I, I definitely have seen really terrible films. I mean, terrible, terrible films. And I mean, I can't say that. I mean. From a from a um, technical standpoint, uh, it's not the worst that I've seen. No. I mean, there's definitely a lot worse movies you out there. You can watch an Edward film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there, are, from a technical standpoint, there are a lot worse films. Um, but I would say that you know, as a, a you know a cult classic that actually really did do um, you know it did have quite a bit of viewership to it that it is a really poor film for for what it was released for um but anyway i do i do love this the the, the song the main theme for this because it does as you said that was the one i pointed out it sounds like a song like a song that should have been in like sonic the hedgehog sonic 2 but it got rejected like nah like you know it's you know it doesn't fit Sounds like a, like a mix between like Casino Night and like Chemical yeah. Plant. Yeah, it's and... like the next Casino Night. If there was another Casino Night level, that would be the, well, the that, theme that song. Was, they, that's a, they have made like other yeah, so, yeah, like Sonic Adventure, whatnot. It's I don't I don't think oh, yeah. those are part of the canon. Oh, okay. <laughs> Everything I only <laughs> include Sonic, Sonic Two, Sonic Three, and Sonic and Sonic and Knuckles. But if any combination of the Sonic and Knuckles say, and the other games. Well, I was gonna say if you're a true Sonic fan, it would be Sonic 3 and Knuckles, because it was supposed to be one game, but they couldn't right. fit on one curve. And we can't exclude Sonic Pinball. Because that was oh. a lot of fun. Oh. What about Sonic 3D Blast? No. no. Excluding that one. Oh, okay. Uh but enough about Troll 2 for right now. We'll we'll definitely jump into that in a little bit. Um but uh, first, we want to kind of take a take a peek at what we're drinking again. This is Blood and Black Rum podcast, and a, 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 again, we're not drinking blo- uh, black rum or blood. We're get we're working on it for the Christmas season. Oh yeah, I'm sure we'll be uh, throwing that in some Coke or some eggnog, some root beer, or the uh, the maybe uh, eggnog. Really, is that a, is that good? Black rum and eggnog. I mean, I know I've heard <laughs> of rum and eggnog, but black well, rum and well, eggnog. I'll we'll have to try it. I mean, it sounds like the devil's we'll be, drink we'll, for we'll Christmas be pioneer, time. We'll be pioneering. I don't think little baby Jesus would be happy about that. I don't think little baby Jesus would be happy with rum or... You know, to, to make it even better, we'll put it in the Starbucks cup. Well, do you think little baby Jesus would be happy that Starbucks is doing all red cups? 
I think little baby Jesus would be just want this mocha frappuccino on time. Not a mocha frappuccino. He wants peppermint mocha. I know it. Well, or no, no, the salted caramel praline latte, the praline almond latte. Like, Have you had that one? No, because I don't. That want... That sounds like a lot of intense flavors. I don't want a fucking coffee that <laughs> tastes like praline almonds. <laughs> Yeah, Almond, I don't know. Almonds in general are the devils. I haven't had I haven't had that one either, but I saw it I, like advertised next to the peppermint mocha. I'm like, I'll have a grande peppermint mocha. Mm. Thank you for charging six dollars. I do, yeah, I, I do, <laughs> yeah, I do. That's really what those people should be more worried about is, is the that, price. Is the price of it? Do you think people just like you to be gouged on your coffee? No, probably not. Do you think he cares about a fucking red cup? I don't think so, but. We've gotten off topic it's, here it's, again. It's all perspective. I it guess. is perspective. Um, today, though, we're not drinking black rum. We're drinking beer again. Because that's really our drink of choice. I did have a glass of wine beforehand. He's fancier than I don't do Yeah, Humer doesn't do the wine thing. It's, he's not very fancy at all. Um, he opted for a Miller Lite. But <laughs> we're drinking something a little bit more fancy today. Um, again, I have the Saranac. I did have a Harpoon Gingerland before this. Which is a, which is actually really good, and I I don't know if they changed their recipe or not, but it it was a really good. It was I feel like it was better than last year's. Yeah. Whether that was because of it was it was in the can yeah. or not. Well, yeah, know. last year we got uh, we bought a twelve pack of the Gingerland in a can, and it was good, but it had kind of like a watery mouthfeel and like a Guinness and does in an intense ginger, ginger flavor, yeah. like overwhelming. So it was an okay drink, but like not very drinkable. But this year, he, uh, he got it. Ryan got it in a bottle, pack. in the yeah. winter pack, in a bottle, and it's much smoother. It's not as watery, like as a mouthfeel, and it's less gingery. So it's, uh, I guess you could say more sessionable. But I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't go out of my way to session. I would not session it. I mean, it. You saw how long it, it took yeah. me the entire movie to finish mine, yeah. but just because it, that's how it is. It's mm -hmm. not like something that you just drink fast and be done with. If you want something that you really can't session, go with the Merry Mischief from Sam's. You know, I, I do they even come out? I don't know if they've come out with it or not. You might have to find a dusty bottle somewhere. I it's at least it's an Imperial Stout. Yeah, so, so it'll you last shouldn't. Forever. Yeah, you shouldn't be. Uh, For those of you not, that don't know, uh, Sam Adams Merry Mischief. Well, now it's called Merry Maker. Yeah, Merry Maker. Now they changed it. It's assholes. terrible. Terrible name though. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it was, I don't, like I said, I don't know if they still make it or not. It's one of their, uh, kind of like a pilot batch series where they released in 24-ounce bottles. And it's a Imperial Stout that's a gingerbread stout. Yep. It's very good. Very good. Um, if you can find one, whether it's labeled <laughs> Merry Mischief or Merry Maker, get it. Yeah. It's a great, great stout. Yeah, I mean, if it's a Merry Mi Mischief, it's not going to go bad. Save the bottle, though, because... It has a much better name, and that's what it used to be like a couple of years ago. But now it's Mary Maker. They must have had a lawsuit or something where they had to change it. Um, I know that they've been, you know, when we go to like the Saratoga um, Beer Fest and stuff, uh, they've been having that on tap there. But I, yeah, I don't know if they're they didn't do it. Actually, well, I was, it. I was saying, well, this year, this year they didn't. Um, the two years before they did, but this yeah. year they just kind of stuck to Cold Snap and yeah. their Rebel Rider IPA because you know that's the big push now. It's like, hey, we got a regular IPA. A double IPA and a session IPA. Well, you know, I'm sure that the guy vomiting in his hand into the, at the last one that we went to probably would have appreciated another Imperial Stout to try on his way across the <laughs> beer land. 
that, that is the problem with those beer fests. It's like, okay, what do you want? Do you want an Imperial IPA or an Imperial Stout? There's no real middle ground. Well, the other thing is that people are taking it like they're just like just pounding every sample that they get. Well, because for, for $40, you want, well, and, you and, want and, and three hours. Yeah, but I also would not like to see them vomit throwing up all over. Well, I, <laughs> I agree that's not pleasant at all. This year I didn't drink that much because I was, you know, sick to my stomach from yeah. Like, I, I don't know why, I just, like, felt sick that day. Like, when we, as soon as we got there, and after we ate lunch, I'm like, at Druthers, which is another great brewery in uh, Saratoga, um, I just didn't have, like, I would, like, go, like, no, nah, I don't want to drink. Then, like, okay, I'm fine, I'd have a drink. Then, like, ten minutes, I'm like, can't do it, can't do it. So this year, I didn't really get to get the experience, but just walking around, is the same as it is every year. I've never been to the Saratoga Beer Fest in February. Um, it's just basically, like, every... Craft breweries offering like here's our new imperial stout, here's our new imperial IPA. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Which is taxing on the body. Yeah, you need to take your see. pick. And the one year that we did it, the first year we did it, we were novices, and uh, we started out with what the ninety minute IPA from Dogfish. Woo! That was a way to start. I would say that. But again, I mean, we were getting hit with like a lot of heavy things this year, like. We stopped at a brewery that's actually our friend's brother's brewery, and he had a smoky porter. Which, yeah, Wolf Hollow. Yeah, Wolf Hollow. Which if you've ever uh, heard of it, um, I don't think I don't think a lot of people probably, probably have. Probably not. It's a pretty they, local brewery. They don't sell, you know. Yeah, they don't. They don't sell out. I highly doubt they export out of state. No. Um, but they had a smoky porter that was like a special a smoky for that porter, one. Yeah. Smoky peat porter, and I mean that was heavy as hell. It was and good also though. Smoky. It was really Super good. Smoky. It, it was good, really good. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like God. I'm gonna, you know, give me, give me a lemon sorbet <laughs> to cleanse the palate over here. Yeah. But anyway, so that's what we're drinking: um, a Harpoon Winter Pack and Saranac Winter Pack. And um, I got right now a Harpoon IPA, which is your standard IPA. There's not really much to say. It's kind of a little bit more sessionable than most other IPAs. I've had their winter warmer too today, which is a, you know just their winter lager. Yep. And it's I could compare it to a Sam's, but a winter lager, but I say it's a lot more uh, flavorful. It's not as like weak on taste as a Sam's winter lager is. And then finally, I've also had today a Harpoon UFO White, which is their unfiltered series, and it's the original. Yep. It's like a Belgian. Uh, White, it's a Belgian wheat ale in the vein of Blue Moon, but it's a lot better. Much more citrusy, much more, more you know, orange definitely comes through on it, and it's delicious. Yep. Nice wheat, you know. Yeah. Harpoon, like, as we said, we said before. We I said before. I've been there before. Yeah. We've mentioned there Harpoon before on our, our beer talk, and it's a brewery definitely worth checking out. They don't mm-hmm. get the love that they deserve. Yep. I agree. Um, so today... Really, our main focus is Troll 2. And the way we watched it was on the Screen Factory Blu-ray that just recently came out in November. We're a little late on this one, obviously. I have a ton. I have a shelf full of movies that I have yet to cover um, that stem back from probably like two months ago. Yeah, well, if you ever... Here's a tip, guys. If you ever want free movies, just say you're a blogger, hit hit up Screen Factory and other things, and they'll just send you shit and just pick... Oh, I didn't get to it quite yet. I'm like, that's all right. Here's a, here, here's our Halloween t- collector set. As a, <laughs> as a blogger, I can't condone that. Um, 
definitely try to cover everything that I receive, and sometimes life gets in the way. Um, and you can't also just say that you're a fucking blogger. You have to actually have some credentials here. I mean, oh, okay. I, I'm, I, I like to think that I'm a pretty credentialed writer, so you can't just throw up your review of, I liked it, I thought it was pretty good, and then expect that to be uh, reciprocated with free DVDs. So. Well, didn't you get pissed off at the one uh, chick from... Oh, the AV Club? Yeah, the AV Club. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yes. Well-renowned oh, gosh. review yeah. site. Latoya Ferguson, I'll point her out as a as an actual person. Uh, if you go to avclub.com, um, they have... they. I will say that, I, for the most part, I really do frequent their website because I think they do have some really good reviewers and some good writers. One of them that they do have that I don't feel is <clears throat> such a great writer is Latoya Ferguson. I'll call her out right now. Um, Latoya is not a good writer... Um, she generally writes some of the more uh, subgenre uh, TV episodes, like um, she covered Scream, the TV series. She's also covering Scream Queens. Um, she is really just not a good writer. <coughs> uh, sometimes I feel like she she thinks that content and a long-winded review is better than a well-written, succinct review, and really it, it just suffers from poor editing, poor, you know, poor grammar, everything. So, um, see, any, I've been any, outspoken. Any, see, anyone can do it. You just, I've been, you just, you can, yeah, just, you can get paid at AV Club if, for it. If, if you just, if you just go to the right websites and, and, and people will read it too. People will read it. The people will say, oh, you're such a great writer. You're so, you're so, you're so good at writing. I just love reading your reviews. Well, if well you're long winded pieces of shit. I'll tell you that myself. Well, I've actually it, commented on it saying, I really think Latoya is a shitty writer. Well, I was gonna say, I imagine most people aren't reading reviews. Most people don't read reviews to be like, "Wow, what a great, well thought out, written critique you've done." It's they want to see if it agrees with, with their, their opinion. opinion. Yeah, well, and that's just how you know the is, modern internet yeah. ages create reviews. And to be fair, that's kind of how I view, look at reviews too. Like, I read a review. You know, I want to see like if. If it matches with, like, if I've seen a movie or played a game or watched a TV show, if it matches to what, what, I, th- what I thought about it, or if it's a site that I frequent enough, if it, you know, yeah. a new product, if they, uh, let's, you know, they kind of got similar taste. I'll yeah. I don't really go looking for, you know. I mean, I agree with you in a way. I mean, you're you're going to look for the, the reviews that reciprocate your opinion if you've seen it or, you know, watched it. Um, at the same time, if you find a site that you really think works you're open to that opinion of someone differing from you um which you know that's how i feel too like i read all of the television reviews of the shows that i watch on av club and then kind of feel my way through it do i agree with them do i not agree with them either way i still enjoy reading those reviews i think they're for the most part they're really well thought out but like i said latoya ferguson on scream queens and scream the tv series just a terrible writer. I mean, just really not good. So, um, it, well, sorry it's, it's, if you're it's listening. Why, it's mainly why I stick to like video reviews. Yeah. It's, you can just listen to the person articulate their thoughts instead of. Because I, I'm a grammar Nazi too and whatnot. And if I read like, it's just like a habit from having a teaching degree. Like I can, yeah. as soon as I read something now, like the first thing I'll notice is like I can just find like every little thing that's fucking wrong with the. Well, I mean, part of that is the editing at the AV mm-hmm. Club. But part of it is Latoya Ferguson's writing. And I'm sorry if you're listening, Latoya Ferguson. I don't have a personal vendetta against you. I really don't. I don't know you. I don't care. 
um, I think you need to get better as a writer because you're getting paid for this shit. That's the problem. That's the thing that bugs me. If you were writing for free on your own website, then by all means, go for it. Try to get better at it. Practice makes perfect. But you're getting paid for this. That's what pisses me off so much. You're getting paid. Someone is saying, yes, your writing is good enough for me to pay you. And it's like, if we took both of our writing, I could write a review the same way. Put them side by side. You tell me which one's better. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's what I would do. I want to send AB Club side by side a PDF file. It's like, let's take a look at both of these. Well, I wrote one. Latoya wrote the other. Well, what do you think? They'd probably say, her speaks to the common man. Yeah, it's uh... <laughs> Yeah, it's a little, uh, <laughs> there's some grammar issues and yeah. whatnot, but it speaks to the common man, right? You are just too, I'm, I'm too much of a, a Roger Ebert for that. <laughs> They're not looking for that. <laughs> I don't know. We gotta get to Troll too. We gotta, we're 15 minutes in, we can't be talking about Latoya Ferguson. She doesn't <laughs> require two minutes. <laughs> So, anyway, yeah. Troll 2. Like I said, we were covering the Scream Factory Blu-ray version of it, which includes both Troll and Troll 2. And if you're lucky, you ordered quickly, pre-ordered it, you would get the Best Worst Movie documentary as well as a second disc. It's a bonus disc. It's perfect. It's great. It's a great book. What they, a what a dynamite they probably, sale. They probably should have just put it out of all of them, though. Well, they do that sometimes. They do that from time to time as a way to get pre-orders going so like they do that with posters too like the first 500 get a poster and then pre-orders you know, just piss me off well it's also a way to get them to order directly from screen factory rather than ordering from amazon who often cut the cost of it on amazon you know they, they yeah. come, amazon comes up with their own discount for it so really screen factory well, is get it, it. Like they're probably buying it enough in bulk to right get, you know the disc disc so yeah exactly so so, they, like, it's a way to limit where people are going to get their film, which I get. It's a business move. So, I mean, if that's something that you really care about and you want it as a collector's edition with Best Worst Movie, then I think people will do that, and I think it's a smart bit. I, I don't think it's, like, taking advantage of um, the fan. I think that it's just... No, I mean, I don't think that. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think it is, but I mean... I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm not one in favor of pre-orders to begin with. Yeah. Unless, I like, I think too too much of it, especially with games, pre-orders yeah. have become way too important. Like, yeah. they hold back content. That, Day you know, one content. You know. So that, like, itself just, to, like, bothers the fuck yeah. out of me. Like, because there's no point, like, for instance, there's no point in me pre-ordering, like, Grand Theft Auto V when it was coming out. Why? I knew when it was coming out, I was going to get it the day it was going to come out. You know, they're not going to sell out. So there's yeah. no reason for me to pre-order to like, oh, you pre-order it, you get a blimp. <laughs> you know, flyer yeah. that you'll never use type of thing, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I don't I don't hold it against them or anything. I, you know, I, I, you know, it might, it doesn't even happen with all pre-orders. I mean, they probably don't pre-order. There's probably not enough pre-orders to limit the first people who order Troll on Blu-ray from their site when it does release. So... I think there's, you know, it doesn't have to be the pre-order, but it helps to make sure that you get what you wanted. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, I think it's just a way for, like, the hardcore fans of Scream Factory to really get on, get in on the best release itself. And I was lucky enough to get the best first movie. I wasn't expecting it. Generally, when they do those pre-order type things, 
for reviewers, they set aside a standard review copy, um, and then you get that one. Um, they already have the review copy set aside. Um, generally, they got a hole punch in the barcode so that people know, okay, this is a review copy. It's, it's to limit, like, people getting them and then quickly selling them off again, which, I mean, you'd be surprised. It really still does happen. People get them, you know, they might watch it one time and review it, or they might not even review it at all and then just resell it. I would just keep it as like something to have. It's a memento. Yeah, if I, if I, you know, yeah, got a free movie, even if I didn't like it or care about it, I'd yeah. like to have like, well, yeah, just in you know, because you never know, you might, <clears throat> excuse me, one of these days just be like, yeah, I feel like watching that again. Yeah, I mean, the, th the thing with it is, is that when you do this for so long, I mean, you see my movie thing. Yeah, you these are time. You start to get like a, a overstock of movies that you just can't hold on to. And so, like, I get it sometimes. You want to sell or get rid of the ones that you really don't care about that much. Like, I have a ton that I really don't care about that much. Um, but at the same time, it's a shitty move to just get it and resell it, like, right when it comes out. Because that's... That's why the companies struggle so much to actually sell their stock because yeah. they're not selling it at full price and then they're getting money that they really should, wouldn't have even had because they got it for free. Yeah. So that's the thing. And, you know, a lot of these companies suffer from that. Twilight Time being one of them. Twilight Time releases limited editions of 2000 generally, you know, give or take. Fright Night, the Blu-ray, they re-released as a 30th anniversary. Um, and that came out. And I think it was an edition of 2000. Luckily, you know, reviewer as a reviewer, I got a copy for review. But people were turning around and trying to sell that for, like, ridiculous amounts. Like, $500. Ridiculous amounts like that. And you'd be surprised who will pick it up just because. You know, mm. and being a huge fan, no. they will pick it up. No. No, I mean, I definitely wouldn't. I, You know, if I hadn't gotten it as a review or, you know, I might have p tried to pick it up. But... Yeah, I, w I wouldn't have been searching for it on eBay for $250 or whatever it was going for. So, um, if anybody of you are scalpers like that, shame on you. You fucking suck. <laughs> um, but anyway. Um, so, yeah, Troll 2. Comes with Troll, Troll 2, uh, and if you're lucky, best first movie. Today we're covering Troll 2 um, because out of the two, Troll 2 is definitely more memorable. Not because it's good. Not because it has Julia... Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus in it, but because it's so terrible um, that most people remember it just because of that. Um, director Claudio Fergasso, however, or Drake, or Drake Floyd, Floyd, as he uh, as he was called in this one, the uh, 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 Americanized name. Um, as an American name? I guess a Drake Floyd, I, I guess. Two first names like that? Yeah. Um, he would beg to differ that it, it's a bad film. Which, Even though which, he chose a different name for which, it, put on it. Which, by the way, to sell on further uh, Best Worst Movie, that is, one, it's a very good documentary. But also, it's great to watch just to see uh, Claudio Fergasso just them interviewing him and him just being like, what do you mean this is a bad movie? What do you mean I didn't give a shit? I put like my heart and soul into this. I take this seriously. And they're just like asking him questions like that. Like, so like, you know, this is like known as like the best worst movie. It's like a terrible movie, and he's like, "No, it's not." <laughs> I don't know how anybody can watch it and just think, "Yeah, this is a good movie," because I feel like it's an Italian thing. Well, 
It's not, though. I mean, in a way, you're right. I mean, there are certain movies that are like an Italian thing that are really not that good, but they are, you're right, Italian. Demons being one of them. Demons, the film, um, is really not that good. But it has gotten a cult following because of that, sort of, it's not, not Troll 2 standards, obviously, but, but definitely not as good as what general you expect from a, a blockbuster, you know, a good movie. I mean, I'm not the most experienced when it comes to uh, Italian films. I know you more, yeah. more than I. Uh, my main, like, experience with Italian films and filmmakers is spaghetti westerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like kind of a motif... And you can correct me if I'm wrong, or if I'm just, you know, being very stereotypical. I think a motif for a lot of, like, Italian... Like, the style of Italian filmmaking is extremes. Oh, yeah. You, like, you know, like... It's, it's very... Subtlety's not really there. It's no. all about extremes. So, it like, is. for instance, as we have playing on the background, this lovely Sonic song, it's this upbeat, overly synth... You know, the yeah. theme for Troll really 2 intense. is really intense, overly synth, upbeat song that has, does not fit the vibe and feeling of what the film is actually trying to go for, yeah. and it's a horror element. And I mean, yeah, you're right, you'll find that a lot. Like, um, I, as much as I love Goblin, the, the band Goblin, yeah. their soundtracks generally do not fit with what the film is actually intending to show. Like so, Dawn, of the, Dawn of the Dead yeah. being one of the prime examples. Though that actually, that, that clash of styles actually, that works though. Yeah. Me. That at least works for me. Like, yeah. Like, because that like is such a kind of a tongue-in-cheek film and, and, and in its style, like as a satire, satire in quotes, you know, when you end with basically everybody dead and then you hear the gonk going, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
I'm sorry. If you you can't see what's happening on the back, <laughs> on the background, but we just cracked open a little nip that um, my uh, brother and sister in law brought back from Scotland. It's Glendronach. It's a Scotch whiskey. That's good. And uh, it's 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 very it's very good. But the face that Martin made while he drank it was would, would beg to differ that it was actually good at all. Um, so that was just very funny, but. Yeah, um, that's good. I like that. It's it's good. It's that's very a... good. Um, but what I was saying before is that the the language barrier here means that there's a lot of things that the English actors say that we wouldn't really say. So I mean, things like um, uh, one of the characters yells out to a woman running, "Stop!" I say, and so that's just not something <laughs> that we say, ma'am, <laughs> ma'am, stop, please. And the way the the girl running in question is just that she's a, she's a teenage girl probably late teens, you wouldn't be like, ma'am, stop. Yeah. That's, <laughs> there's just a language barrier there. That... Not, not only that, the delivery of all the lines in the film are n not even remotely close to, to what, like, what the mood would be. Yeah. yeah. Every, there is one scene in the film where one of the characters gets is being turned into a plant and his friend finds him and he's like, Oh, thank God you found me. Here, drag me out, man. Instead of being like, what you'd expect in a horror. I'm like, oh my God, I'm turning into plant. You know, fucking get me out of here. Fucking get, you know, come on. Get me out of here. He's just like, get me out of here, man. And the guy's <laughs> trying, but he can barely move him because he's getting turned into a plant too. And he's like, come on, go. <laughs> we got to get out of here. And that's probably where the humor of this film comes to most, is it's acting. Yeah. Which um, we have in the opening. The great line of, you don't piss on hospitality. I won't allow it. The funnier thing about that Wait. line, though, is like, you you don't piss on hospitality is because, as, has been known. It's, it's, it's iconic, line. yeah. But the funnier thing is what comes the, after. The way that Fergasso and um, Rosella Drudy, writing the screenplay, have created like lines where the characters specifically and explicitly deliver their backstory. Like so, or exposition, or any exposition, exposition. Yeah. Don't. So, <laughs> which know, which don't have any bearing on the plot. Either. Not not at all. So instead of you know just saying you piss that you don't piss on hospitality, uh, the father has to go into specifics of I used to live in hunger all the time when I was younger, and not only that, then he has to kind of make it into a challenge as though yeah, his I, son. <laughs> Was attempting to like put a hardship on the family to see if they could make it through. You know, that's the funnier thing is the misunderstanding yeah. of like what a what a, what a regular great, person what, would what, react what, to. I know, I know what a great way to discipline. Like he's like, you know, I won't piss. You know, you, I won't let you piss on hospitality. And he's like, I'm gonna tighten my. He's like, he's like, because you think because he starts grabbing his belt and the kid, you know, and like, he's like, what are you doing? Yeah, he thinks he's gonna get beat if you grew up in art like age group when spanking was still, you know, a PC thing, you saw a belt or a wooden spoon, you knew to get your ass running, because you were going to get an ass beating. No, no, I didn't mean it. Yeah. And this film's from the early 90s, so yep. it's still a PC thing to do. But yeah, he grabs his belt, and he starts tight, you know, grabbing, <laughs> and the kid's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm tightening my belt loop to hold off the hunger pains. <laughs> I just like the total acceptance that, though we're in a town, we're not in the middle of nowhere. There's just no food to be had. So we're going to go hungry tonight and forever until we can find some food. 
They don't think until the day after to go to the general store. Like. No. No. There's just a lack of logic in the whole film that just really makes it even funnier. Well, before we go on, I think we should actually give like a quick synopsis. Syn uh, synopsis. Synopsis. Yeah. synopsis. Uh, what the film? Troll 2? Yeah. I, For those who don't know. We'll try. There's not really <laughs> one there, but we'll try. Um, so basically, Troll 2 starts out with a grandfather giving um, his, ne his uh, grandson, um, whose name is Joshua, a rundown of what goblins do to people. So they, it's, it's read in like a storybook manner. Storybook, that, that would yeah. remind you of... Uh, I can't remember. Is it Never Ending Story of Princess Bride? Princess Bride? I'm thinking you're, you're meaning? But I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking you're meaning Princess Bride. The one was like, I, my name is Inigo Montoya. You've killed my father. Yeah. Yeah, so Princess Bride. So he was like giving like a story reading like that. Yeah. Te describing what goblins are. And you think like, oh, it's just a story. And then the Grandpa like, is like, no, they're real. They're real. Been there, so, and so what ends up happening is you find out it's the grandpa's actually dead. The kids seeing things. The parents are like, "The kid's crazy." <laughs> and, you have to stop and, seeing and, grandpa. And, and, I know you guys. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the hilarious thing. It's almost like a butters and like butters parents in South Park thing where they like instead of like the parents actually trying to fix the kid, like, "Oh, we're gonna take you to the doctor and like try to see what's going on," like. If you start keep seeing Grandpa, you're grounded. <laughs> but so they're like, no, we're going to go on a vacation to this place called Nilbog, where only 26 people live. Fresh air will do you good. We're going to be farmers. What a great thing to do. What a great vacation. And so they go to Nilbog, and they live in this small farming community town, and they find out, like, oh, wait, goblins actually live here. And there's, like, witchcraft and all this other crap. And the only one that can see it is the little the little boy Josh, who likes to yell out "Grandpa," a lot. Yeah. grandfather. Um, I'm looking for a drinking game. Watch this movie, easy. and every time the only rule is every time they say "Grandpa," you take a drink. Yeah, you'll be on the floor within five minutes. Yep. Um. But really, the I mean, the whole the whole plot doesn't make sense at all. I mean, it really, there's nothing there to it. They don't say troll at all. No, nope. there's no <laughs> not, trolls in here. There's not, goblins. Not, not even men. goblins. Yeah. Um, but the real, the whole plot of it doesn't make sense at all. So what Fergasso attempts to do is create like a road trip film. But in the same, in the same sense, there's no vacation involved in this film at all. Like there's no actual events within. It's just constantly... Um, them trying to get fed. Yeah, them trying to eat. Goblins bothering the little kid. And then, a strange alternate um, group of characters that is part of the daughter, Holly's... Uh, it, it's her boyfriend and his friends... Are just there. Are just there as along with him. They decide to take a road trip along with him. As father. So, so really, Fergasso attempts to create like two differing... Um, character bases to this film. And you can't relate to either one. Nope. And, and there's really no plot to either one because there's no point in them doing any of the things that they do. So, that's, I mean, in a nutshell, not only, that's not only what that, 2 is, but... Not only that, but the stupidity of the characters themselves is 
just so mind-blowing, especially like when we, we'll talk about at the end later. That's like one of the big points, is just how stupid these yeah, characters are. Like, and just how like oblivious to everything around them that they are. Like I said, the, there's like no there's no logic in the film at all. There's no no one's thinking about anything. I mean, for instance, going off of that, when you had the one random girl, you don't learn her name or anything, running away, she's got, you know, the green craps sweating from her face because when you eat the food from Nilbog that turns you into a plant life thing that the goblins want to eat, you start sweating chlorophyll or borophyll, you know, as yep. Billy Madison would say. <laughs> you just start sweating chlorophyll and you get sick and all that. One of the Holly's boyfriend's friends, Arnold, finds her and he's like, and they're like, oh, I'm getting chased by these monsters. And then you see the goblins show up and he's just like, oh, I'll deal with them. He walks up to him and he's like, stop leave bothering her. Leave her alone. Idiots. It's just so... Yeah, it's one, so tone like, deaf. Yeah, t yeah, tone deaf to what's going on. The whole, his acting's terrible. He has like no situational awareness. Like if it was a typical horror film, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but if it's like a typical horror film today, they'd be you know, running away and constant screaming and jump scare. And, uh, either way, it's not, you know, it's just... But that's where the humor kind of comes in. Oh, yeah. If I'm watching it, it's just like how, like... Well, I mean, obviously, if there wasn't any humor to it, then you you wouldn't continue watching. I mean, it's funny because it's so bad. There's, um, with it not having a plot... There's no reason to continue watching it because there's just nothing there. But and and like you said before, it's only an hour and a half, but it feels Fucking so much longer. I feel like it feels like Grandpa Seth snapped his fingers and now time stopped again. Yeah, well, that's a great point. <laughs> One of the things he do Grandpa Seth does to like stop, try to have Josh stopping his family from eating the fill uh, food of Nilbog so they turn into goblin plants is. He freezes time. He's like, you got 30 seconds to figure something out. Joshua, hurry up. Why the fuck isn't he doing this throughout the entire yeah. film? Like, why, I, can't he, why can't he snap his fingers? And like, Again, that's the logic part of it that doesn't make sense. And then I mean, later on when he's like, this is the last time we can meet. Goodbye, Josh. We you have know? 10 minutes. <laughs> Grandpa always has a strict like time a limit. Strict, yeah, a limit <laughs> to what you can do. You can't open your backpack until you know that it's the right moment. Yes. And the right moment means there's a bologna sandwich you got to eat. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the logic part of it is totally lost. And like you were saying in the movie, too, um, these people are eating food that is clearly has, like, green shit all over it. And they're like, ah, yeah, whatever, that's fine. You know, let's eat it. You know, it, it doesn't look very good. There's green stuff on it, but I, we're hungry. Let's eat. It looks like the it looks like the shit. If you ever seen the movie Hook, which if you grew up in the '90s, most of you saw Hook. It looks like the shit from when Peter imagines food at uh, when Robin Williams' character P, uh, Peter Pan imagines food with the Lost Boys, and they get in the food fight. It's all this colored dyed frosting-looking crap. That's basically what they're eating. It's like, oh, corn on the cob, but there's this green frosting moldy shit on it. Wow, that looks good. Like, oh, this biscuit that's got the same shit on it. Oh, wow. And this green juice that looks like fucking ecto-cooler and blended-up kale put together. <laughs> yeah, it's, 
know. They're all just like, wow, southern hospitality. These people are sure are nice. So, it's, it's just, as you said, total tone deaf. It's like, you would expect somebody like, if anything, if, I mean, I know the point of him doing, like, uh, Claudio Fragasso having that in the film is so you can specifically say, like, oh, the food's tainted yeah. type of thing. But if you wanted to, like, actually build suspense, and if the goblins wanted to trick people into eating their food, it would look like normal food. <laughs> yeah. You they wouldn't, turn into humans, but they can't create yeah, normal food. You wouldn't go out of your way to, like, add extra shit on to corn on the cob. <laughs> Instead of that green shit, put butter on it, like most people do, or salt and pepper. It's fucking ridiculous. I will say that I did enjoy um, Deborah Reed as Credence Leonore Gilgood. <laughs> Just because she is so totally hammy, hammed into that role. Uh, this is like like you would see on a like a ridiculous Broadway play, like a, a comedic Broadway play, a farce or something. This is like times three because like this is really just amped up as much she as possible. She chews every scene. She oh god, like, yeah, just, just like eyes batting, popping teeth, out of her head, teeth, you know, like constantly, kind of like you know, she, when she's grinning, like yeah. popping them out, like hey. everything delivered in such a slow, like enunciated way. It's kind of like taking the Bela Lugosi Dracula, like, have some vibe. Yeah. To, like, to like have some extreme. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's really hamming it up, even more than, like, oh my god! <laughs> uh, that It's, like, totally hammed up to, like, the nth degree. But the oh my god thing, I will say, Screen Factory did a great job with the subtitles. We watched <laughs> it with the subtitles, and they really captured the god. Yeah, they they stretched that out. Oh, so they you, stretched so it you, out for you. So you knew he wasn't just in case there were any deaf people watching, they would know that he was he was really stretching that god out. Which, which I think most people know that scene because it's you know I would say I mean that's a pretty popular world, scene. World renowned for they're eating her. And now they're gonna eat me! <laughs> oh my god! You know who they should have cast in this film? Fucking William Shatner. Yeah, you could have delivered it. Oh my god, game, that right? would literally that would have been like I would have came my head. Spunk. <laughs> they are fine. Turns plants <laughs> like that. Oh, yeah. It's Shatnerian levels of acting. It is. And it's great. <laughs> but, and I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I, I brought, you know, besides her, I think the dad acts the best. Well, yeah, just, I actually just because thought. Low rent Steve Martin with the mullet. Yeah. I actually thought that George Hardy was going to be the best actor. Because in the beginning, he does seem like he's on the right track for acting. I mean, he seems like kind of. In the right mindset. I know, but he's definitely in that B-movie mindset. Oh, yeah, definitely like, that. In the beginning, when you first see him, he's laying on the couch, he's like, he's wearing his pajamas. Button yeah. down, his shirt is open all the way to the belly button. He's on a couch, like, lying down, like, in a sexy pose, like, on the phone, like, yeah, I just got some, you'll take care of that at the office? Great, alright. I know, it made me wish that I dress like that when I'm going to bed. I don't. It's just like, who does sure. that? Like, who I know. He, I mean, he's probably, he probably was sitting there, like, he's probably like, okay, I'm probably just supposed to sit here, and, like, Claudio forgot to be like, no, you, 
You, yeah. sp- you spread legs. He's probably used to that from other films that he did, like Women's Prison Massacre, which Screen Factory just released. He's probably used to saying, okay, spread your legs. Okay, okay, unbutton the shirt, unbutton the shirt. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I mean. Gotta look sexy and fierce yeah. while you're holding that phone. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure George Hardy appreciated that. Um, <clears throat> so, do you think that Claudio Fergasso was going, was advocating for vegetarianism? Or was he advocating for, a, you know, an mm. omnivore lifestyle? Or just a carnivore lifestyle? I think he doesn't know what the fuck he's advocating. I really don't think Because, so. you know what? There's parts where it seems like... I, I jokingly brought it up, because it's kind of like in the whole... Like, when we joke about Romero pulling satire out of his ass, it's kind of like the whole vegetarian... Like, it's like... kind of seems like if you were trying to really look for a, a satire, it's like... Well, he's slamming vegetarianism, but at the same time, he's like saying, "Like, no, don't eat that bologna, double-decker bologna sandwich. It gives you cholesterol." And yeah, that's that, a really and, outrageous. It's it's just seen in general because he's going to eat a bologna sandwich, and Credence is delivering the mm-hmm. lines, "Don't eat that. It's full of cholesterol. You'll have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> it'll it'll uh, poison you." Which that didn't look nothing like bologna. No, it looked no. like. Slices of pepperoni and <laughs> But, so yeah. And I mean, again, by the way, if you're eating a double-decker bologna sandwich, shame on you. Because, yeah, as Jim Gaffigan would say, if you're eating steak, you know something special is going to happen. If you're eating bologna, you may be special. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I really don't know what Claudio Fergasso was going for as the theme of this film. Like, what, what was he trying to say here? Because, uh, I really, I, honestly, I... I don't know. I, I don't I don't I don't know. It's it's hard to come up with anything because it just there's so many places where the film really drops whatever it was gonna do. Like, for instance, the pop the whole popcorn scene with the corn. The, the Which is another totally tone deaf like who would ever in that situation just be like Okay, this hot chick shows up. She's all she's wearing like her tits are hanging out basically <laughs> and she's got a <coughs> nice like panty garter bell and she's like got an ear of corn with her and like she's like seducing you with an ear of corn and he's like well, I don't like corn but I like popcorn and then like the corn has to bite into it while like you know making out through the ear of corn turns into popcorn but the guy that has no qualms with it he's just like oh there's popcorn everywhere now this is you know yeah and they really don't do anything with that scene there's yeah. no nothing we don't know it. what happened to him no. after that there's just, nothing to it so, I mean, that's a, just another place where Troll 2 just doesn't know what exactly it's doing at all. Never. Never finds itself. Um, so, um, I, I don't know what exactly its theme is, but I'm going to say that it's advocating for an omnivore lifestyle. Because at the end, well, no, not exactly, because at the end she eats the fruit and then she dies, so... The, the, who is it? Uh, Mother? Yeah. Is it Margot? Diana. Yeah. Diana, Margot yeah. Uh, probably the worst actor in the film. I would say she's she's very bad. She Her lines are delivered in such a monotone, sort of, like, no emotion whatsoever. Just no care. Totally, d- totally like, straight. When they delivered. have the, the party, when the goblins come over and, like, invite them to the party and... She's like, oh, wow, 
you guys are here. <laughs> they have a whole surprise party for us. Isn't this great? And and somebody goes, wow, there's a whole lot of food here. She's like, it's a feast. <laughs> yeah, what, is, what is Elliot doing here? Oh, Mom, he's part of the family now. Wow, that's great. Let's eat. I mean, I think that probably Michael Stevenson is the best actor in this as the kid. I mean, he, he's not good. But, <laughs> he's not. But I would say he might be one of the best actors in it because, like, he actually can at least deliver his lines in a, a, a way that you can understand what he's going for there. He might, and this is probably Fergasso's fault, but he, he has such ridiculously intense expressions but at the same time, that's probably Fergasso on the uh, sidelines going, Look surprised! Well, I don't, Look sad! <laughs> yeah, no, I think it all has to do with direction. Because one of the things, like, first three minutes in, when his grandfather's reading him the story, and he's like, and Grandpa's like, Stop talking during the story, I'm trying to tell you it. And he's like, Okay, I won't talk anymore, Grandpa. Yeah, I won't interrupt you anymore. Fifteen seconds later, he's like, What <laughs> happens, Grandpa? It's like, You just said you wouldn't fucking interrupt him anymore. <laughs> I know you saying what happened is like, you know, what happened, supposed to, he's supposed to give more exposition now, but it's like, you just like, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's... It's interesting to note that in Troll 2's poster and the DVD artwork, that's not, not the kid. <laughs> that's not Michael Stevenson. I don't know why they include that kid. I don't know who that kid is. I don't think he got a credit that he was due, but that's not Michael Stevenson. Probably Troll 3. Yeah. Why do you think they named it Troll 2? I'm assuming it had to do something with marketing. I'm guessing. Um, they do know. that a lot in Italian films. I was going to say that too. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it just has to do with marketing. Like, yeah. well, nobody knows Goblin if we just fucking throw Troll 2 on there, you know. Whoever the hell saw Troll, which is probably not a lot of people. <laughs> not a lot of people. You know, he's troll too. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think. Of. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's what what the the whole intent was. I mean, they they, they did that a lot. The zombie movies in general, zombie, yeah. zombie two, zombie three, they're all they all kind of got roped into the same thing. Same thing with House. There's a in Italian films. There's a lot of movies that have the, the House moniker. Django too. Yeah, Django. Uh, you know, several different Django films that aren't official Django films. Yeah. And I think that's probably the same thing that they did with Troll. I, they just wanted some sort of relation that could market the film better. So, I mean, is it a culture thing? Is that why Fregasso doesn't really feel like this is a poor movie? I mean, to be honest, Fregasso has never really made a good movie. I mean, he's not a good director. He's, he's directing the bottom of the barrel anyway. I mean, if you look at the re the list of his films that he's done, like I said, um, Scream Factory will be releasing Women's Prison Massacre um, very shortly. But, I mean, if you look at all that he did in the 80s, like Hell of the Living Dead, not a good movie. Um, none of those things that he did are good movies. Rats, Knights of Terror, writing the screenplay for that, not a good movie. Strike Commando. You know, Zombie 3, not a good movie. All those things that he did, you know, they're not good movies. Is he just deluded? I mean, does he just not, does he think that the movies that he does are good and they're just not? I mean, I, I think 
I mean, I, I imagine. I mean, like, who wants to, you know, be known as like, you know, the, the guy that did all the terrible movies? Yeah, like, yeah. Even like, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I can imagine, you know, you don't want it, especially if you're at like a professional level. You don't want to be known as, you know, a shitty director or a shitty screenwriter. And, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I get that that's what he wants to to be known as. You know, he doesn't want to be known so like, as who the want, person. Like, who I mean, would you like, like, would you want to walk around like, yeah, hey, I'm the guy that did fucking Troll 2. You should see my other films. They're just as shitty. Yeah, you know? I know. I know. Uh, little, like, little known fact, he directed Monster Dog, which actually has Alice Cooper in it. Alice Cooper, though, does not voice himself. Someone else does it for him. Just so you another, know. Another staple of Italian <laughs> films, that. The, the redubbing of redubbing of English actors, yep. Yeah. Um, that is well, also not just not, 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 well, just not, just, not English, just the English, but because they like to, you know, because usually because Italy's kind of in the center of Europe, so you have like so many different language actors you can, you know, being involved. You know, they film right. the scene, they have them speak them in their native language, and they just redub that shit later. So, yeah, I mean, but honestly, Fergasso has not done a. a what you would call a technically good film. Troll 2 is probably his b most well-known, and that's because it's Games bad. Yeah. And, you know, and to be honest, not, I don't even think, as you said earlier, this is not the best, worst film ever made. I find it's a funny film, but it's not... To me, it's not, like, laugh-out hilarious film. Yeah. There, there are in some points where I'm like, I, I do find it, like, laugh-out hilarious, but... It's not in like, general. It's painful. More. It's 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 difficult to watch just because, again, there's nothing to it to keep you going, and that that lack of like really laugh loud moment is what's makes it make seem it, like it's so long. Yeah. Like, for me, the best horrible film ever made. You haven't seen it. It's The Room. I get to watch that. I will laugh my ass off every time because it's so bad, so painful. It is laugh out hilarious. Troll 2, I don't know how anyone could ever find it to be like that. Because, yes, there are moments where it's hilarious, but, like, I've seen the Oh My God scene so many times, it's not, I'm not laughing out loud to it. It's like, yeah, there it is. I mean, I, I will always laugh my ass off at, like, I won't, you piss on hospitality, and then follow up to it, but it just, it, for me, it's not even that funny of a bad film. It's, you can laugh, I think, I think people will probably, the majority of people who probably see it will probably find some things funny. They'll find, like, the acting funny and all that, but it's not laugh out loud. Yeah, there's nothing there that's really going to pull you in to want to keep watching. I, I agree. I, there are movies that are so bad that you want to keep watching because they're just so bad. You're going to, you know that every scene is going to be gold in some yeah. way because it's so bad. But like, like, for instance, the... I can't remember the name of the film. The one Dark Angel film we saw at the local glove theater. The Abandoned. Yeah, The Abandoned. Uh, I could probably still watch that today. <laughs> and laugh my ass off. Yeah. Just thinking about it, it's making me like yeah. laugh my ass off. But, you know, the same thing, like, The Room is so bad, it's hilarious. And we're going to have to watch that, review that, even though it's been reviewed to death by people. But, but this is just... But Troll 2, yeah, it has that it has that thing that it's bad, but it's also not bad in a way that you can 
always laugh at it. Yeah. It's, you know, some scenes just kind of play off and you're just watching them and you're like, well, you know, you're thinking, what the fuck were they doing? But you're not laughing at it because it's just not like the random seance. The random seance. Oh yeah. We're like, we're like, oh, how we get grandpa, grandpa to come back, and the uh, the daughter's like, what if we had a seance? And the kids like, zoom in, big sister, you genius. Which the entire film isn't called her big sister or anything. It's like just Holly. And he's like, you know, gives that, like, doughy-eyed, like, I look up to you, you know, <laughs> big sister, you're a genius. And then they have a seance, and it's like, it goes nowhere. I know. I still love the scene where, in the beginning, where the mother's like, yes, and your grandfather died. And he, we're all very sad, sad, including me, his daughter. <laughs> Just spouting but you have, exposition. But you, but you have to lock that memory away. You have to let... You have to banish that shit. memory. Yes. Who says who says that to like like a six year old who's just No idea. Trying to overcome the death of a relative. You don't say usually it's it's I don't know how it is in other cultures, but here in America it's like you know you know, think of the good times, remember them always in your heart, you know, keep them in your thoughts. She's like, Banish it You banish it <laughs> Don't you dare think of him again. Your grandpa was an asshole. All right, so I think we should probably close out Troll 2, right? right? I mean, do you have anything else to say about it? What would you give it on a scale of 1 to 10 trolls? And by trolls, I mean goblins, yeah, of course. course. <laughs> um, probably 3 out of 10. About a 3 out of 10? Yeah. Well, you're right around with IMDb because they gave it 2.7 out of 10. I mean, it's not so terrible I'd give it, like, there's, there are barely things that I would probably rate under a three that I see. I think the fact that if you were able to get it out, it's kind of like the SATs. If you write your name down... You and get, write it. I mean, and, and, yeah. and actually have the idea to write it, you you, you get credit for that. Yeah. But, so what would you... What would be under a three? Like, what would you give under a three? I Honestly, I don't think... You can't I, think of anything? I don't think... Because I think, like, back to, like, like some of the anime stuff I've watched, even things that, like, Gundam Seed... Zombie Lone? Still, didn't still get, better. Gave it a three out of ten. Like, Gundam Seed, I hate that with, like, almost everything <laughs> in my heart, and I, I would never be able to give it, like, a zero, because I'm like, they fucking made it. You at least get a 30. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of what I can can give a, under a 3 out of 10. And I, I really haven't never given anything that low. Um, maybe, sor- I can't even remember the name of it, but it was really bad. It was like sorority cheerleaders from hell or something like that. can't even remember what it was anymore, but that was a really, really terrible. I think I, that was probably the worst terror, the worst movie that I've ever seen. So maybe that one. But other than that, I can't think of anything that I would give lower than a I don't think I'd give Troll 2 a 3. I think I'd give it more like a... Like a... Like a 4.5, maybe? See, I was thinking kind of of a 4 too, but I think it's... It's... If it was... Made me laugh harder. Like, I... It would have a a better rating. It would have a better rating. Like I said, like, I would probably never... I would not be one of those people who make it their mission in life to watch this maybe, film once a year. And yeah, like, maybe go, that has to do with how many times you've seen it, though. I mean, how many times have you seen it? This is probably my 
third or fourth time. Yeah, so I've so this would be like my one and a half because I don't think I've seen all of it like the first time. So maybe it has it has to do with how many times you've been, you know. So I, I like I see I saw it like so long ago like I can't remember. I can't really remember like how like I reacted like the first few times I saw yeah. it. I just. So maybe it depends on... They don't leave, like, a lasting impact on it. Whether you've seen it a few times or not. Like, once you've seen it a few times, then obviously the charm of the bad acting and the dialogue wears off. So maybe that's... Maybe that would be a reason why you'd rate it lower than maybe what you would have if you had initially seen it. But, um... What do you think our next film's gonna be? Um, well, we... Honor Majesty's Secret Service? That would be one to kind of... I would like to do just because I think could, should we compare it to Spectre? We could. Um, I would just kind of like to do that one because it's one of my. It's probably my second favorite Bond film of all time. It's up. It sh sometimes comes close to being number one, but um, and I think it's one of the Bond films in the canon that's very underrated just because George Lazenby is in it, and I think mm -hmm. he gets a bad rap. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen it, so that would be something one that's new yeah. to me. Um, we still gotta watch the Grand Budapest Hotel. We do. We have that. To I've, watch. Been, I've been sitting on that DVD for months now, but I haven't watched it because I was gonna watch it with you. So we still have Black Caesar. Black Caesar, that's a great film. Still have that one. I saved that one. I didn't do that for exploitation week, so I saved that one. Um, I think I actually have a couple. Oh, I have um, Get Mean as well, which is another spaghetti western that we could cover. Oh, yeah. So we could do that as well. One of these days, we should do a live audio track for the movie. We'd have to pick something that we're both really, really familiar with. Probably. So we could do an audio track and know it's coming. But I'm thinking that we will do that at some point. Do an well, audio you did, track. Well, uh, you did pitch uh, uh, The Thing. The Thing we could do. We could do an, uh, a live audio track of The Thing. I would love to do one for Day Live, too. Something, yeah, I mean, we could do something like, um, if you've ever listened to, like, Hysteria Lives and their, their, uh, uh, commentary tracks, we could do something like that. We just have to bring our game face and be very, very, very clever for that one. But, um, I wish I there, we I wish definitely there, do it. I wish there was a microphone in the theater when I was seeing, uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. So you were cracking jokes oh, left and right, right? Yeah. It was just Matt and I in the theater. By ourselves watching that bad boy, and I had to sit through it in 3D, which pissed me off because I can't see 3D. Is the thing on Netflix right now? No, it's not. No, because if it was on Netflix, we could easily do it because obviously I we have to sit by our. They our, have Big Trouble in Little China on there, which is another great Carpenter Kurt Russell film. That I have not seen. You need to, it's but I could. We could do it as a commentary for me being the first time I've seen it. We could do that. There you go. Um. Get hostile, gotta So two. I mean, we could do that. Um, the problem with that is we just have to figure out the best way to do the commentary track without picking up the audio from the actual so, video. Um, so that's something that we have to try to figure out how to do. But but other than that, I would like to to how start you, doing. How have you not seen Big Trouble in Little China? I've never seen it. It's a know. it's a John Carpenter film and it stars Kurt Russell. And it's like a. It's a martial arts film. Do you want to see John Carpenter do martial arts with Kurt I, Russell? I do. I love Kurt Russell back in the 80s. He was a beautiful man. Yes, he still is. Uh, 
still wins? I don't know about uh, that. For his age, he's still rocking. Yeah. I, he looks better at his age than Lee Van Cleef did in uh, Escape from New York. That's true. That's true. Lee Van Cleef did look pretty rough, but those are his years of drinking coming <laughs> back. So. Kale looks so hard for so long. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, <clears throat> probably close out this this episode of Blood and Black Rum podcast. Um, as we always end our episodes, I'm going to give you a list of things that you can do as a sort of checklist to keep us going. Um, you can add us on Facebook at uh, not copying Tim and Eric, by the way. No, no, we're not. Facebook.com slash Blood and Black Rum podcast. Um, we have a SoundCloud, which is where we initially post all of these podcast episodes. Uh, SoundCloud.com slash Blood and Black Rum podcast. Um, I believe that's I, right. iTunes as well. Yep. Uh, iTunes as well. If you uh, just log in and search for us, Blood and Black Rum podcast, we'll pop up. We'll be there for you. Um, all, I, all 11 episodes will be up on that uh, iTunes account. Um, we're on Stitcher as well. So if you have a car that has Stitcher in it, like uh, my uh, sister-in-law's Hyundai. 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 Um, you can get us on Stitcher and um, get us right in your car. So as you're driving to work, you can listen to us. That would be a really... Do they I mean, do it's, new Hyundai's have like Stitcher? Yeah, they do. They have Stitcher in them. Yeah. Oh, that's, oh, my Hyundai yeah. does it. Yeah. Mine's old though. So. It's a smart one, you know. But uh, you can listen to us while you're going to work. So, I mean, that is like way better than Howard Stern or anything like that. Or, or whatever, whatever else you're shock, to. Whatever shock jack. Yeah. Um, and then finally, um, what, about, what else do we have? I don't know. You're the one that's in charge of marketing. I think that's it. Visit me on the moonisdeadworld.net. I always post the links to these uh, podcasts on there. Uh, oh, that's what I always do. Email us at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear your um, opinions on what we should cover as movies or television or anime or whatever nerdy thing you want us to cover. Uh, we'll definitely look into it. What beer or liquor we should try? With the Christmas season coming up, there is Black Christmas. And Christmas I don't... Vacation. Christmas vacation. We still got to do we that. We have to do that. We skip that one. We do have to do that. Intentionally. But have you ever seen Black Christmas? then we need to do that. That's one that we have to do. As as a slightly horror podcast, we have to do is that. It as good as, is it going to be as good as Krampus? It's fantastic. I watch it every year. Black Christmas is a slasher classic. I kind of wanted to see Krampus until I saw his PG-13. Oh, no, it looks pretty good. Done, you know, Michael Doherty of Trick or Treat fame, definitely a must-watch. Oh, is he doing that? Yes. That's who does it. Adam Scott being in it, Definitely a must-watch. Oh. That man is handsome as fuck. <laughs> don't know any of these people. Adam Scott, the uh, um, the Parks and Rec. I don't. You know I haven't seen Parks and Rec. All right, right. I don't, all right, all I don't right. watch well, TV. You know when that comes out too, then we'll have to. I watch it. So, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, and that's about it. Oh. That's that's sad. That has Danny DeVito. That's it. sad that you don't watch some more TV. He's even behind on Ash vs. Evil Dead, and we just did that last week. Well, I told you, I'm waiting to kind of marathon it. I like to binge watch my shows. I don't like to watch a show and then be like, oh, I gotta wait till next week. That's how all normal people watch it. That's how we watched it in the 90s. Unless you were taping it on VHS and then fast-forwarding through commercials, (laughs) which, I mean, we did, but was a pain in the ass. 
cat. No, I ain't, ain't, got, the, ain't got time to wait to sit at work and be like, well, not sit, but run around at work like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen this episode. For the longest time, I had to. I had a VHS copy of Christmas Vacation. We'd always fast forward through the commercials. I think I still have somewhere uh, VHS uh, recording of Little Giants somewhere. That's how I watched Fargo. VHS. I know, and you could have borrowed my DVD or, or watched watch it on Netflix. <laughs> no, we wanted to go the the '90s route and watch it on VHS. So. Oh, please be kind and rewind. I'm sure we did. I'm sure we did. God, no one's gonna get that. Oh, they. <laughs> Alright, closing out Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Thanks for listening. This is Ryan. This is Martin. Hey. We are uh, both available for you to contact and let us know how you like it. Let us know. No, really, please. We want to know. <laughs>